0: Love Talk Radio. Hello, hello everyone. You're tuning in to another episode of Dr. Low Radio. I am Dr. Lauren Noel. I'm your host and I'm an naturopathic doctor and you're listening to the show that brings you the best in natural medicine and nutrition. And I'm so excited for my show tonight. I got a good friend on the show. It's always fun when I have friends on the show. I just get to kind of banter and just hang out on the air. And uh, so I'm looking forward to uh, introducing him in just a sec. I had a really great weekend. I actually flew down to Tampa for a few days and hung out down there at JJ Virgin's Mastermind event. Got to hang out with uh, some really awesome people. Got to hang with Dave Asprey from the Bulletproof Executive and um, Abel James and uh, the Caltons and uh, Jeffrey Smith, the GMO man. It was just a... it's just really cool just to be around people who are doing some big things and uh, just really changing healthcare. So I'm very very inspired. I'm excited to bring you guys some really great content. And have some uh, projects uh, brewing for this this year. So feeling pumped. And uh, even after being in the office, like seeing patients, just a full day, and uh, just to be like so inspired to do this and to bring you guys life-changing information. It's um, such a joy to do what I do. So thank you guys for the continued support and listening to the show because it, um, it's why I do what I do. And so tonight we're talking all about paleo by season. So as you guys know, I'm a big fan of the paleo diet. I love especially just eating what's in season, what's local. You know, I think it's, um, it's really important just to kind of live off the land and uh, you don't have to necessarily eat things that are Flown to you from the side, you know, the other side of the planet, or you know, sitting in a freezer for months on end. So um, that's what this show is all about tonight. Uh, we have uh, Pete Servold on the show. He is the creator of Pete's Paleo. You guys can check out Pete'sPaleo.com. He's a freaking ridiculous chef. I mean, I've hung out with him a few times and just got to taste his cuisine. And it's crazy. Whenever he throws, in, throws any house parties, it's always cool because everybody shows up because it's like, who doesn't want to go to a house party of a chef? It's like, come on. Um, but Pete has some skills. He was trained at uh, um, Cordon Bleu College of Culinary Arts. He's uh, very passionate about food, and he will definitely stand up on any soapbox any day or time to share his thoughts on food, uh, the food industry. So uh, we might get a little political tonight. We might keep, try to keep it a little easy. Um, but... Uh, He also is uh, releasing his book, Paleo by Season. It is available for pre-order now on Amazon, so you can check that out, Paleo by Season. And uh, just excited to hear more about his story and uh, have him share some of his culinary tricks and drop in some knowledge. So, Peter, thank you so much for being on the show. Welcome to Dr. Low Radio.
1: Oh, Thanks so much for having me. This is pretty exciting.
0: It is pretty exciting. How's it going? I know.
1: It's awesome. It's like my <laughs> awesome friend, Dr. Lowe, and I'm on your radio show. It's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> oh, man. We're both just kind of like in this crazy, like stressful life of having a business, but it's like a business that's so exciting and it's doing your passion. I know your day was probably nuts. What's your day been like today? What have you been doing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's that's It's been a very uh, busy day I had. Uh, meeting with one of our suppliers today. Um, We'll talk about this later for sure, but I'm sure uh, people have heard how there's a huge drought in California, Mm. and um, there's almost no rain um, at all in December, and there hasn't been a drop in the entire state in January. And what that means is if you sell grass-fed beef, uh, the beef aren't really eating because they don't have any grass to eat. So um, I had to meet with my supplier to talk about changing up some things on the menu and um, just doing what we can to make sure that we're not, like, sacrificing our principles and serving, you know, corn-fed beef and stuff like that when, when things like that happen. Um,
2: hey.
1: And then we did, uh, we did a photo shoot. Speaking of beef, we did a um, uh, meat temp doneness photo shoot for uh, Paleo by Season for the cookbook at our new kitchen. Um, and then just... Just, you know, a lot of other stuff.
0: And you guys are in the midst of still, like, making all the food and delivering food for your, your food service, too. So that's all going on, too, right?
1: Yeah, we I stopped in and uh, I was in the kitchen for a while this morning. We have a crew of about 10 people. Um, we get in uh, far, uh, food fresh from the farm every week. So it comes from the different ranches and it comes from farms. Uh, Susie's farm in San Diego here is a pretty good example. So we'll... Get food in Monday afternoon that was in the ground Monday morning. Um, cook it uh, Tuesday and Wednesday and package it up. And then on Thursday if you're in San Diego or uh, on Friday or Saturday if you're national, um, you'll get food that was in the ground on Monday uh, delivered to your door. So it's so amazing. Um, the logistics of it. It took us a couple of years to figure it out, but I think we got it down. and um, I think we, you know, nine times out of ten put out a really good product and it always comes from good sources. If we screw, if, if the food doesn't taste good, it's not us uh, because it comes from really good places.
0: Yeah, and it's such a cool deal too for the farmers because you're supporting them just directly. And you know, I mean, that's such a smart way of doing it. It's just directly from the farm. It's genius.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, you know, we. I think when I first went to the farm and told them about, you know, I'm going to start this paleo business. I think the woman who gave me the tour was like, you know, she was being nice and obliging me, but I could tell that she was like, ugh, this. Paleo thing, like there's no way, like why am I wasting my right. time? And I think and we spent how, like, long, 80, how much has it grown now? On, <laughs> oh. I mean, I think I think we've we spent eighty thousand dollars on vegetables from them in two thousand and thirteen. Yeah, they're not complaining. So Yeah. Well and it's just it's just you know, you think of all the all the extra hands that they can hire and like all the um you know, that much more food that, that they're growing, um that's getting used and it's pretty, it's pretty exciting stuff. It's cool to have made you know, an impact on the community um, you know, dollar-wise because at the end of the day, that's kind of what talks in the industry. So.
0: Yeah. Well, I love being able to support your business and share it with my patients and my listeners because it's something that's sustainable and it just helps everyone. So ha- tell, me, tell me about your, uh, your business, how much it's grown since the beginning. Like, I mean, this is a pretty new company, right?
1: Yeah. We're, this is, um, we're closing in on our, uh, our, the end of our second year. Um, it feels like it was 10 years ago. Um, just because <laughs> of how much we've grown, um, I mean, I think, gosh, I think you were one of the first people that we we met with to, to talk about this idea, and we, yep. um we had just gotten our vacuum sealer machine, and it was so fancy, and it only sealed two bags at once, and, um, <laughs> <laughs> um but before, even before that, I had, I was cooking for one person um, with Tupperware containers out of my little cottage kitchen in Ocean Beach uh, two years ago. And this week we're cooking uh, for a couple hundred people plus, and we'll have a little over, I want to say a little over 6,000 meals are going to get made and packaged and shipped in three days. And, again, it's all sustainable, it's all organic, it's all local, um, good food. Uh, You know, it's the same stuff that we, the same process of a fine dining restaurant where you call the farms and you say, hey, what's growing? And then you write the menu, and instead of, you know, charging $45 a plate, we put it into a bag and seal it and ship it to your door.
0: Yeah. And you, you send it to people outside of California now, right? You're doing nationwide.
1: Yep. Yeah, we, sh- we do nationwide shipping. We ship two-day air, and we have these fancy insulators that we use and gel packs that were specially made just for us so that we can ship the food fresh. And it shows up uh, fresh whether you're in New York or Nevada or anywhere yeah. in between and um, you can keep it in the fridge for a week fresh, or you can throw it in the freezer for a couple months. Um, and we actually just got some new bags that, that added another month to the shelf life. So, you know, we really exist um, for, you know, a, lo- a lot of different people, like whether you're a young professional and, you know, you've, if you're in San Diego, it's Little Italy. If you're, you know, in Chicago, it's the West Loop, and you have a condo and you work, a ton of hours, but you know, you know, you do CrossFit or you you do yoga and you know that you should be eating good, but you just don't have the time or, you know, you didn't go to culinary school, um, you know, we're there to take care of you. If uh, you're a mom and and you know your kids should be eating better, um, but you don't quite know what, you know, this paleo thing's about and you don't know how to make enough food for uh, everybody, we have a family option so that you can get, you know, our food for a couple weeks until you get your feet under you and see that. You know, it's not that it's not that difficult. It's just a matter of taking the time uh, that comes with preparing fresh food. So it's mm-hmm. um, we had a um, we had a a gym one of the coaches at one of the Crossfits uh, just had a really big health scare with their newborn baby, and we sent them some meals um, to have so that when they got home that they know they had good food. And uh, I met her this past weekend, and she came up and thanked me because the only thing to eat in the hospital was a McDonald's. And even though they were, it was a really difficult experience that they went through, um, you know, they never had to eat at the McDonald's the entire time that they were there. And it meant, and it meant a lot to them. And, um, you know, she made me cry and stuff, and, which was very rude of her, but uh, it was really cool. It was a really cool moment. So that's well, the kind of it's stuff like this that we like
0: unexpected, to do. There's unexpected things that you're able to provide you did not even really think about. It's like, wow, you're able to support people through a time of crisis because they're eating healthy food and it, it helps to carry them through it. It's like, how cool is that? Yeah,
1: that's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: So I know you're super passionate about this because it's affected you so much with your health. So tell, tell us a little bit about your story. I mean, when I even from when I first met you two years ago to now, I mean, you look like a different human being. <laughs> For one reason, because you have so much hair on your face, but because you've just fully totally transformed. So um, tell us a little bit about your story and kind of what got you into what you're doing and, you know, your whole transition, your whole, uh, yeah, your whole story.
1: So, so the short version of my so- story is that my wife, Sarah, saved my life and okay. helped, helped me start this business. Um, without her, I wouldn't have anything. Um, mm-hmm. The long story is that, you know, I've wanted to be a chef since I was a little kid. I um, made, you know, meatballs with my grandma from scratch. And I just remember the, the the pride that I felt of, you know, making the meatballs and mixing everything up and putting it in the oven and then feeding the family. Um, I used to run home from school when I was in middle school to watch Great Chefs of the World on the Discovery Channel. I was such a dork; like I didn't play any sports. So I would run home and and uh, watch two episodes of uh, Great Chefs of the World and then Bill Nye the Science Guy to complete my nerd trifecta <laughs> for the afternoon i love that show um, i
0: totally miss that show
1: <laughs> it was so great you know we're in the world of carrie okay. Diego. If, if, if there's time if oh my god time. love that <laughs> <laughs>
0: um
1: so it's something i always wanted to do um and then in high school I, w- I went to the culinary program me and my buddy tom smith he had these cookbooks from the cia the culinary institute of america and Um, I didn't know anything. I thought it was like, I was like, why is the CIA, the spy agency, putting out a cookbook? Um, And he was like, no, man, the Culinary Institute of America, and it's like Johnson & Wales. Um, So I've just kind of always wanted to do it, and uh, got into the industry, went into culinary school, got an incredible job at an amazing restaurant in Atlanta. Um, You know, we're doing like only 70, 80, you know, Dinners a night, which is very small for a restaurant, but they're all extremely ornate and complicated, and everything has twelve steps and all these different accoutrements, and it was it was pretty awesome. It was also unbelievably intense. And about a year, I had uh, put on I didn't want to say close to forty pounds. I was over two hundred and ten pounds, um, and essentially lived off of bourbon and Taco Bell. And out <laughs> a <Atta> boy, <laughs> I mean, I, I was. I think I was 24 or 25 then. So, I mean, I essentially was going to live forever as far as I was concerned. Um, just, you know, add that for a couple of years. And uh, then I met Sarah. And after we'd been dating for two weeks, in the middle of the night, I woke up with a fever of 104 degrees. And every time my heartbeat, beat, it felt like someone was stabbing me in the chest. Um, and what had happened to me was I had pericarditis, which is the pericardium is the sac that, you know filled with liquid and it's supposed to make your heart beat easy but mine had become so inflamed that it was squeezing my heart shut mm. and there's a lot of different causes um to this but they couldn't find anything and they eventually just chalked it up to lifestyle and the doctor just wow. kind of looked at me you know the the cardiologist he said you know the fact that you caused this with just lifestyle is you might need to calm down a little bit um and i was 26 and i'm like I can't believe I did this to myself. Well, fortunately, I had just met this girl named Sarah who was telling me to go to CrossFit with her and wanted me to do this 30-day whole nine paleo challenge thing. And so we started. And three years later, um, you know, I go to the cardiologist to get my yearly echocardiogram and they thought I was the wrong patient. I had... I had returned my heartbeat, resting heart rate, to that of an athlete, so they didn't, that's why they didn't believe it. And then there was no scar tissue, and so they had to bring in like two techs, and they were looking at it, and they didn't really, you know, you know, know what to make of it. And then finally, they asked me, you know, what do you eat and what's your exercise? And I said, well, I eat paleo and I do CrossFit. Like, oh, that makes sense. Well, you you fixed it. You don't have to keep coming back here. Wow, that's incredible. And, and you know, it was incredible for two reasons. One, that had happened that you know, that you can fix yourself internally with the choices that you make externally. And I absolutely believe that, you know, now that I've done it for myself. But two, the thing that got me, still gets me to this day, was that it was the last thing on the doctor's mind that my diet or my exercise routine could have fixed my cardiac issues. Right. You know, it, they don't ever think that what you put inside of you to sustain your existence Make, might be the cause of what's going wrong, you know, whereas you know that 90% of the people that you see, like, they just need to eat good food for 30 days and then come back and tell you, okay, is there still anything that's wrong? Mm-hmm. Because they put so much stuff that, into their body that's crap, you know, there's no way for a doctor to even tell what's wrong. And it was just, it was a very, uh, very telling experience and, and it's been, it was very formative for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really, really amazing. And that's kind of why you're passionate about what you do because you've seen that it works for yourself. I'm sure you've had amazing success stories with, you know, customers and clients and um, just seeing how it's transformed them. I mean, I, I know for myself that's why I'm so passionate about it too. I mean, it's changed my family, my friends, my patients, you know. It's like, all right,
1: we're on to something. So I mean, yeah, it's, oh, my God, my parents, my, my mom and dad are 57 and 52. They had uh, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, we're both, you know, 20 to 40 pounds overweight. And eight months ago, they started, they did a paleo challenge. Uh, I'm sorry, they did a paleo challenge a year ago on New Year's. And then four months after that in April, they started doing CrossFit. And they go to a trainer that, you know, walked them through everything so that they, you know, built themselves up slowly. And now I wake up to text messages from my parents who are on the East Coast at like 5 in the morning, like, oh, I just did Fran, and I only needed to use the green band. And I did it two minutes faster than last time. And it's like, it's so awesome that That's they're so, awesome. so healthy. <laughs> that, that, you know, my you know, my dad's like telling his doctor, the next time I come, my, my cholesterol's going to be down to this. And it is. When he goes back, it is. And, mm. you know, Sarah's, Sarah's pregnant. And it makes me so excited to know that my parents, you know, have made the choices that, you know, barring accidents, they're going to live a really long time to see their grandchildren grow up, and it's because they cho- They just decided, hey, I'm 55, I- I'm 57, I'm not done living. Like, I want to be healthy and active. And so they've made a change in their life, and it, and it happened. Mm-hmm. We just got back from the Fort Mojave Reservation in uh, Laughlin, Nevada, where a year ago we gave a talk to the Native Americans there, and they are in a lot of trouble with obesity and diabetes to a very – crazy extent. Um, mm-hmm. but we come back a year later and people have lost 50 pounds, 25 pounds, a hundred pounds. And, you know, they're going to work out three or four times a week or they're training for a Spartan run or, um, and they're inspiring each other with their choices and the results of those choices. And it was, it was like stunning. I was just in awe the entire three days I was there at, you know, the changes that people had made by just you know, developing a little self-actualization and and, and doing it. It was awesome.
0: That is so awesome. You're healing the whole culture from the inside out. It's Really, really cool stuff. Wow. And then your book is coming. So I'm amazed that after all the stuff you're doing, (laughs) you have the time to write a book. How did you find the time to do this? What are you like staying up all hours of the night? What are you
1: doing? (laughs) Uh, Yes. (laughs) Sarah, Sarah, like Sarah makes fun of me because I never, I never go to sleep. Um, I, I do uh, need to, to get better sleep habits because I do tend to stay up a little late writing the book um, at night slash watching episodes of uh, Louie and Family Guy on Netflix, but I try to balance it out. <laughs> uh, um, no, we, you know, we just, we, We're really fortunate. I have, we have an incredible team. Um, the nice thing about working in a business like this is that it attracts fellow passionate people that want to help you. And, you know, from my sous chef uh, who run, runs marathons, you know, and competes with his brother, he runs in them constantly, to our customer service representative who's a big yoga instructor and uh, loves nutrition and uh, talks about it all the time. You know, we just have been really fortunate to bring on a good team, which allows us to grow and to keep doing, you know, the next cool thing, the next cool opportunity. So it's, it, you know, hands down, um the team has allowed allowed Sarah and I to do that and you know Sarah is taking all the pictures and it's it's incredible it's it's really cool you know when you hear back from the publisher like these you know these pictures are amazing they look great who did you get it's like I got my wife that she did
0: it Gosh, she's so talented the kind of stuff she does it's crazy yeah
1: she you guys are all, both just like jack of all like, trades <laughs> <laughs> she's very um she's very good she doesn't always know it but she's very good yeah, very
0: she very talented she is. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah. So your your book is it's a paleo in season. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'd love to kind of dive into this a little bit further. Like, why is this a big deal? Why does it matter? I mean, why not just? I mean, you go to Trader Joe's and they have they finally have grass fed beef, right? But if you look on the back, it says it's like from like. Ukraine and like, like Sri Lanka and New Zealand and Canada. It's like really, I have like all different kinds of cultural beef in one patty. It's kind of creepy. <laughs> I can't seem to buy it. So like, why is it they that should they should charge just, like, you
1: extra? In? Yeah, right. <laughs> they should charge. See, so is it? Let's think about that. Let's think about the food system that we exist in. There's a grass-fed farm within a hundred miles of pretty much everybody. Like, if you're in North Dakota, okay, I'm sorry, but. The majority of the country has some mm-hmm. uh, sort of locally raised beef nearby. They also have a trader Joe's nearby, and our food system is so screwed up that it makes the companies make more money getting the beef from Uruguay and putting it on a container and shipping it up here and selling it to you than just using the stuff that's nearby. Mm. And you now we've gotten so far away from food being about nutrition and. You know, fortifying your existence, and it's it's so much more about either either your weight or you know the the convenience of it, the cheapness of it. Um, I saw an ad. I was watching a basketball game with my brother last night, and uh, the ad for TGI Friday says, you know, two you know twenty entrees under 500 calories, and they're essentially advertising how little nourishment they're giving you, and people should get excited. <laughs> They should get excited about that. Like, come here, and we'll give you almost nothing to digest. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's how people think about food. And, and, it's, and it's just uh, it's messed up in a lot of ways. It's not sustainable um, for our environment. The, you know, environmental impact of the way that we farm and, and things like that and, and shipping stuff all over the world is not sustainable. But also for our health we benefit when we eat things that are nearby. The second that you, you know, slaughter an animal or the second that you pick a fruit or vegetable off of the plant, it starts losing its nutrients and vitamins. Mm-hmm. So you want to get stuff from as close as uh, close source possible. Obviously in California, we're, we're, we're really spoiled because it's 80 degrees in January, so our growing season is kind of year-round, but you still, you know, if you live up north, you know, the fall is the harvest season. It's when you, you know, do your canning and, and stuff like that so that you can eat good all through the winter and, eat, you know, still eat local uh, vegetables. Mm-hmm. But it's it's there's there's a lot of reasons that you want to eat seasonally, but mostly because it's the way that we always used to eat until there was grocery stores 60 years ago. Right. The idea, you know, like you, like you said, like, oh, you know, I go to Trader Joe's and they have asparagus and it's January and it's from Argentina, but it's organic. So, <laughs> you know, how much gas did it cost and did, it, did you use to get a pound of asparagus from Argentina in January? Right, like, okay. why, don't be- why don't you just eat some beets and a citrus salad with a little fennel? Because it's January and that's what you should be eating right now. It's much better for you. It's what your body, you know, is craving. Um, it's, it's pretty amazing um, also how it forces you outside of your comfort box and forces you to eat, you know, an actually balanced diet by only eating what's seasonal.
0: Yeah. What percentage of uh, the food in a grocery store, just like a conventional grocery store, do you think is actually local?
1: You know, it, uh, it's, if it's not California, I would say almost none. Mm. It, I, it's almost all from California or Mexico. Um, all of your commodity uh, vegetables that start with the SKU number four, you know, if you look on the sticker, if it starts with the four, it's a commodity, just a regular, regularly produced vegetable that starts with a nine. It's, it's organic. Um, mm-hmm. All of the commodity-style uh, produce comes from California. They hold it in warehouses that have a special gas mixture in them, so that they don't start to ripen once they get. And then they're shipped. They're shipped. They're either coated in wax there, like all of the acorn squash and rutabagas and turnips and all those things. Um, and then they're trucked across country. So even if you're, you know, trying to eat healthy, you know, you may still be eating something uh, that was pulled out of the ground four weeks ago from California. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 again it's you know what what is what is better for you something that was pulled you know pulled out of the ground nearby um, very recently or something that was gassed and waxed and pulled out of the ground a month ago.
0: Yeah. What
1: and percentage of the nutrients
0: go- do you think oh. are lost? I mean, you know, it's like sitting on a truck or going on a plane or a ship or whatever. I mean, what percentage of nutrients do you think once it's actually getting onto the plate is still there?
1: Oh, you know, there's people a lot smarter than me that could answer that question. I I don't know the percentages of nutrient loss. I know that um, everyone that I've read from uh, Michael Pollan, who I know recently gave the Paleo diet a hard time, but uh, he's mm-hmm. still got me here. So whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they talk about how you just get so much more nutrients when you when you eat it uh, as soon as it comes out of the ground. Um, mm-hmm. And I've also read that if you're going to eat vegetables that aren't um, organic, that the best way to get them is frozen because it yeah. decreases all of the gassing and all of the processing that's done. The frozen vegetables, uh, all of the nutrients are maintained, and it's frozen, like, right from the source. So it's actually weird, but frozen vegetables are fresher than the stuff that sits on the shelf, that's a commodity product that's not local.
0: Right. So it's better to have something frozen that's like an organic, you know, produce than, than having something that's even fresh because it's going to be sitting on a truck and losing its nutrients, right? It locks
1: it in when it's frozen. Right, absolutely. That's, you know, whether it's freezing or canning or smoking, like all those different preservation methods, you know, freezing obviously is a very recent one, but uh, the point of the preservation me- methods was to maintain, you know, the nutrition in the food a- a longer than it's supposed to be. And those are all kind of natural methods. Fermentation, things like that, whereas um, gassing and waxing are newer inventions that don't mm-hmm. necessarily maintain uh, the quality of the food.
0: So creepy. That's so creepy. It's just being <laughs> gassed and waxed. Like it's like a science experiment in your mouth.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, my, uh, my I have a, a close family member who is the vice president of a grocery chain, and the things that I learned about our produce chain, I, I never. I wish I could unlearn.
0: Yeah seriously you know i um i actually had no idea about foods that were in season for a long time i didn't really grow up learning that stuff you know i grew up with like lean cuisine and like chef boyardee and you know (laughs) like that i thought was awesome when i was a kid um and i didn't really realize until once i was in um i think naturopathic school I i started going to the farmer's markets really regularly and you know in portland everybody's like all into local and organic and everything and I finally started seeing what things were available at the farmer's market. It wasn't always the same every week. It started to change, you know. It's like, oh, I can't get pomegranates anymore. Okay, well, we will have to mm-hmm. get this. So I started to get an idea of actually what happens with the se- changing seasons. It was so cool. So I don't know if everyone's really familiar with this. I think for me and you it's kind of regular, but not. I don't think most people really get that there's changing of seasons. So what are what's kind of like the – the typical things you'll find in the different seasons, you know what I'm saying? And then, like, what's in season now?
1: So Sarah always always tells me, uh, it gives me a hard time that I assume that people know kind of what we know. And we do. We live right. in this bubble where, like, yeah, you eat seasonally, and you should eat paleo, and why aren't you doing, you know, yoga, man? Right.
2: Doesn't everybody do
1: that? <laughs> yeah. um, and that's kind of the whole point of paleo by season. Paleo by season is, you know, it's like when you watch a documentary film, you go watch Food, Inc., and then it's like, okay, now what? I still have no idea what's seasonal, and I have no idea what to do with it once I get it. Right. And so the book, it has a ton of recipes, but it walks you season by season with different techniques and flavor profiles and how to cook all the different vegetables that you're going to find during that season so that you learn to think like a chef where you go to the farmer's market and you don't have any game plan other than that. You want to have some, something curry flavored or you want to have something – uh, rosemary and garlic flavored. Um, and then, you know, whatever vegetables and meat that happens to go, go with is, is what happens. Um, mm-hmm. So to get to your question, as far as, you know, what's in season right now, so we're in the middle of winter. Again, it's, it's hard in San Diego to think of that, but we are in the middle of winter. <laughs> we're having record snows right now. Um, so all of your root vegetables, your rutabagas, uh, turnips, beets, hearty greens like kale and mustard greens are in season. Fennels in season. All of your citrus is in season. Um, things like sweet potatoes, blue potatoes. Um, a lot of hearty, you know, vegetables um, are in season right now. And as you get into the spring, that's when kind of asparagus and snap peas. Um, all kinds of fresh fruit comes out. Um, you get like your beginning of the season cherries, beginning of the season strawberries uh, in March. Sometimes you have to wait until the end of March um it's startling the difference between a fresh strawberry and a store-bought strawberry every time i'm in a pinch for like catering or something like that now and i have to grab one of those like driscoll strawberry bags Uh, or uh and i taste it it's like oh i feel bad bad. for everybody who thinks that's what a strawberry tastes like
0: it tastes like chemicals.
1: it's, it's so much better it's so richer and juicy and you know, the, the cool thing about spring is that you just kind of get out of the way. You know, you want to maybe take uh, some of the end-of-the-season beets and shave those really thin with some shaved asparagus, a little bit of shallot, maybe a squeeze of some of the uh, – or a puree of some of the strawberries and first-of-the-season basil and just kind of toss that together. Let it sit for an hour and, and have that with some grilled chicken or, you know, a seared salmon uh, salmon loin. It's really about letting the food just be itself in the spring. It's so fresh and crisp and clean and delicious. Um, in the summer, again, it's, it's kind of you have everything. You have your summer squash, so your yellow and, and green squash come out. You have the really good cherries that are in, like, the middle of the season. Um, all your blackberries, uh, raspberries, those kind of things come out. Um, there's not much that doesn't grow in the summer. Arugula is really good. Um, lots of salads, lots of fresh kind of light food. Um, That's the other thing that the Paleo by Season does is we separate techniques by season. So, for example, in the summer you're not going to do a lot of like braising dishes where you have the oven on all day for nine hours because it's already really hot. Um, So you just want something light and fresh and clean where you're not, you know, like grilling where you're either outside or you're just inside for just a little bit and then save things like braising and stews and roasts for the winter and fall. Um, and then in the fall, um, you kind of come back around again. So the tubers, the root vegetables start to come out, all of your squash, delicata, kabucha, acorn, butternut, um, the delicata squash that we get here are really good. Um, good. Also, you know, little things like the fact that acorn squash and delicata squash doesn't need to be peeled. I think uh, acorn squash is one of those things that everybody knows what it looks like. It's that big green acorn-looking squash that sits (laughs) In the produce section, and you never touch it
2: right. because
1: I'm sure that's good for me. If I had any idea what to do with it, when really I buy you it, no,
0: no, it sits in my kitchen on my counter, and I buy yeah. it, and then it goes bad because I don't know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Well, I mean, and I commend you. I commend you for wanting to think that you were going to figure it
2: out.
1: <laughs> but I mean, that's that's. I mean. We all do that. I still do that. I'll still, like, get excited and see something, see some kumquats or something that I want to work with that I haven't worked with in a right. while. And then, you know, three days later, you're like, oh, those were from the farm next door. Of course, they are already bad. Um, <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, it, it it's, it's, it's a really easy thing to cook, though. You just, you know, you slice it up and you toss it in the oven, you know, 375 for 20 minutes, and you have roasted acorn squash. Um so good. And, and we want... It's so good. And, you know, paleo by season is about getting over those fears, getting over that hump of, well, if it's not in the recipe, and the recipe calls for golden beets, and the first store didn't have golden beets, and the second store didn't have golden beets, and the third store didn't have golden beets. Like, you could have used red beets from the first store, or turnips, Mm -hmm. or sweet potatoes, or rutabaga, or any really root vegetable would have served the same purpose as the golden beets in that recipe. And as you start to think... More about what like, what's at the farmers market as opposed to what it says on your recipe. You start to think more like a chef, and by default, you're going to cook more seasonally. You're going to go. You're going to look at that acorn squash and you're going to say, "You're not going to beat me anymore. Like yeah, I'm not going to be scared of you because you're a vegetable, and I'm going to get this done." And yeah. so, everything from how to take down an acorn squash to how to butcher a chicken and how to fillet a fish. Um, or how to even go, you know, we we the book has visits to local fish shops here in, in San Diego and local butcher shops where we just go in and just take some pictures and just walk you through the process of developing a relationship with your fishmonger, how to tell if they know what they're doing and and how to how to get good product from them all the time, and learn to try new things because those guys are your friends, your fishmongers and your butchers, they want somebody that is going to come in and, and ask for something other than salmon or the ribeye. They want to talk to the guy who wants to, you know, I want what's freshest. I don't care what it is. I want what's freshest, and you tell me how else to cook it, and I'll go home and figure it out. That's yeah. how you really eat seasonally. That's how you really eat paleo. Paleo, to me, everyone has their own little definition of it. To me, it means, it means eating whole, real, seasonal food from as close a source as possible. That's mm-hmm. all it is. It's just, it's just eating whole, real food. From in season, from as close as possible, and you you it, you'd be hard pressed to you know have a bad diet if that's what you're always doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no kidding. It'd all be real food with that. You don't have a uh, Twinkie tree or like a donut bush, you know.
1: <laughs> Which is sad because donuts are delicious.
0: I love Twinkies. Um, I haven't had one in years, but I freaking love those. I'll be
1: honest. I. It's yeah. I chocolate donuts are really good for me. And you know what's funny is. Is, is people like listening and they haven't kind of made the transition into eating really clean all the time or you're thinking about it, you know, you, you still have, you may still have people in your life that are like, oh, you don't eat donuts anymore. You don't eat pizza. You don't eat pasta. You don't eat sandwiches. and you know, How do you do that? And what they don't understand is that for us, something changes after a few months or after a couple of years of doing this where you realize it's a lifestyle. It's not a diet. Like I, I, I will eat, once in a blue moon, I will eat a pizza or I will eat, you know, a bowl of pasta from them at a really nice restaurant and they made it by hand or whatever. But I don't think of that as food. I don't think of that as nourishment, as fortifying my existence. I think of it as a treat that I'm going to pay for for the next couple of days digestively. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And
2: And
0: you've typically planned that
2: meal,
1: right? You
0: really do have to plan that. The beginning of a weekend, you can... Suffer for the weekend and it's worth it. <laughs>
1: that's why That's why I love inviting
0: you to all of our dinners, Dr.
1: Lowe, because I know I can <laughs> throw in a little bit of dairy there, because you're going to show up with your with your enzymes.
0: Exactly. <laughs> a little damage control. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm actually chuckling at myself as well because I put on Facebook that I was going to give three pounds of bacon to the next caller, or to the first person who calls, and I said that like 20 minutes ago and forgot to look at the switchboard. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So oh, we have a, no. I know, we have a very
0: patient person on the line. I, I wonder how many people, like, called and hung up. But we have someone who's been holding for literally 20 minutes. So I'm going to oh bring goodness, on I'm this sorry. caller. Yes, it's awesome. Um, caller, you are from the 925. I'm unmuting you right now so I can get you on the air. Welcome to Dr. Low Radio.
2: Lauren, it's Evelyn. <laughs> it's
1: Evelyn. <laughs> Hi, Evelyn. Hi.
2: Did I win? Bacon? So
1: what did
0: you? Did I win bacon? You won bacon.
1: You won bacon.
2: I saw your you Facebook did. post, and I'm like, I'm gonna I... listen live to Lauren's show. And then I'm listening on my phone, and I thought you just forgot about it.
0: No, you. Yes. I. I just, my word is my word. You know, I said uh, the first caller gets three pounds of bacon. So you just got three pounds of bacon.
1: That's so that's so awesome. I was like, who is committed enough? To this bacon. We should have known the whole time it it would be Evelyn. We should have known. was Evelyn. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: What's up, Evelyn? (laughs) Well, I guess,
0: yeah, you don't need to send me your address. I think I already know
1: that to send to Pete to get your (laughs) bacon. But you know what, Pete? I I haven't haven't even had your
0: bacon yet. I haven't had it yet. Isn't that crazy?
1: That's bull honky. There's no way you haven't had my bacon yet.
2: Bull honky. Really? Wow. No, I haven't. Lauren also wants you to send three pounds of bacon to her.
0: No, I'm cool with, like, half a pound. I just need a little taste. <laughs> Although Kyle will probably eat the two and a half other pounds, so.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we'll just yeah. I support you, you and buy some bacon. I'm cool with that, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> Sweet. All right, cool, Evelyn. Well, um, Evelyn, I think you should share, like, one thing that you're getting from the show, please, in order to get this bacon in exchange.
2: Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> I was reminded of... Well, the seasonality of things, because like you guys said, we live in California, so we forget that everything's available, you know, just whenever we want it. But I think even in California, you know, when it gets colder, it's important to eat seasonal foods and more warm foods and not salads every day. So yeah. that's what I got yeah, well, I Good
1: think, job, yeah. Thanks, <laughs>
2: Evelyn. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. It. What were you going to say, Peter? you going to say something? Um yeah, it just
1: you know it it is I would like to say that it is work to eat like this. It is more work than you're used to. i think um you know when i when I spoke to the Native American tribe last week we we talked about how you know the food system needs to be better and and the how things are provided for them need to be better. And, Nothing could be more true. And it's the same for us. You know, again, it, it makes more sense profit wise for the companies to import beef from Uruguay than to just get it from down the road. So clearly the the system is, is very messed up with subsidies and all those things and we can talk to or blue in the face about it. But picture whatever your utopia is and just pretend that we're already there. Brisket still takes eight hours to cook and carrots aren't gonna peel themselves. So there's plenty of work that you can get started on right now and go out and start learning how to cook. It is something that people have kind of forgotten how to do and think that we've kind of absconded it from our daily lives as a responsibility and now we're all fat and thick and uh, have the indignity to be surprised by that. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's not it's not that big of a deal, and it's it's a great time. If if you're if you're busy and you have a couple kids and and you don't have time to cook, have the kids kids cook with you. Kids love to make meatballs. That's
0: fun. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Kids love kids love to cook meatballs. You know, get them a, a kid safe peeler. Let them peel the vegetables. Like then, not only that, but you will be blown away by how much more the kid wants to eat the food because it's not some food that you interrupted his video games to make him eat. It's a thing that he made with you, mm-hmm. and it completely changes his relationship with food. It was how I developed my relationship with food. It wasn't a meatball. It was the afternoon spent with grandma, mm-hmm.
2: and, and
1: you know. And, and if you're single and, and, or if, you know, something like that, and you want to learn how to cook, like just spend Sunday afternoon. Just take four or five hours Sunday afternoon, put on a football game, or turn on music and, and pour yourself a glass of wine and just make food. <laughs> And do the same thing for a couple hours again on Wednesday. Just have, like, two prep days, and there you go. You've got food all week for lunch so that you're at least eating, you know, five to ten more meals healthy than you were the week before. I think that...
0: It's um, so doable. You know, there's really no excuse. It is so doable. I think we just come up with excuses for it. Anyone can do that and take a few hours on the weekend and make their food for the week. And that's what I really like about your book. From you, I mean, I haven't read it yet, but it sounds awesome, and I'm super excited to get my hands on it. And I know that you have some uh, you have 100-plus recipes, but you also talk about how to throw things together. You actually, like, educate people on how to cook food, not just have to follow a recipe, and I, and I love that. I don't naturally have that skill. I mean, I think I'm getting better, but, I mean, I was a bad cook. I think I'm getting a lot better. Um, <laughs> But you just throw stuff together, which kind of pisses me off. Um, but maybe one day I'll get stuff that <laughs> So So um, give us some tips. Like, how do you just kind of throw some things together? You know, we're not going to obviously be a Cordon blue graduate, but um, give us some, some
1: pearls of wisdom. Well, I think, you know, the biggest pearl of wisdom I can give you is that you shouldn't expect to be good right away. And you should have fun making, you know, mistakes with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I'd say the biggest thing is get yourself a nice knife.
2: Mm-hmm. You will be
1: blown away when you get away from the Ikea cutlery and the Ikea cutting board how much easier your life becomes in the kitchen. It costs, what's a good you know, knife 80, to get? Like, what's a good brand? My my favorite hands-on recommendation is a Worcester Classic 7-inch Santuco knife. It's,
0: okay, what is it uh, called again?
1: San Tuco, so S A N T U K O U, and it's a Japanese-style like vegetable prep knife, but it's really just you can use it for everything. Um, it's got little uh, indentations on the side of the blade that you know reduces surface tension or something. It's supposed to do fancy, um, but it's eighty bucks. You can push it across a, uh, a, a honing steel once every couple weeks, and it's like it's brand new. It's a little razor. Um, I've had mine for seven years, and I've probably cooked a hundred thousand meals on it. Wow! So, you know, it's an investment that you'll make once, and it'll last literally forever. You know, if if you made if you made dinner four or five nights a week for four people, that's twenty meals a week. You know, think of how many meals or how many weeks you'd have to do that before you, you know, caught up to the number that as a chef I've put put together so it's a small investment when you look at it like that and you know cutting root vegetables can be very difficult with a cheap knife it can make you say i you know i can't do this i knew i should have just left it at the end of the aisle in that big basket and not tried to mess with it but if you have a sharp knife and it just falls through the squash you're like okay i can do this this isn't that hard This thing's going to fall right apart um so that's you know that's a really um like priceless thing um, I don't know. I can't just pick random random things. Uh, buy yourself <laughs> an herb cold vegetable peeler. They're like four dollars. You can get them at Linus and Things or Bed Bath and Beyond. Kohl, and it just you hold it a little differently and allow you to you know work through all the different vegetables without your hand turning into the claw. <laughs> that thing. That thing is. is I have. I have three of them in my in my. Uh, A prep drawer at home at all times because every time someone sees me use it, they want. They're like, "Oh, I need to get that," and I just give them one because it's four bucks and it's the greatest thing ever in the kitchen.
0: (laughs) That's cool. What about like just balancing flavors and stuff? You know.
1: So there is um, a basic balance between fat, acid, and salt and sweet. So just all like you know the the flavor profiles uh, on your tongue. When we try to make a perfect dish, you want to have a little bit of fat, a little bit of acid, a little bit of salt and sweet. So, uh, for example, uh, when you make a salad or you make a soup, uh, a lot of people tend to, you know, everyone remembers the olive oil, everyone remembers the butter when they saute the vegetables, but uh, it's not oftentimes that people remember to hit it with a little balsamic vinegar at the very end. Um, And it's that little bit of acid that really balances it out. So, for example... Um, If I'm making a gratin, which is just a layer of potatoes, essentially, with um, shallots and and, uh, other vegetables, it's a super, super rich dish. You make it with ghee, you know, clarified butter, um, very, very heavy. But in between every layer of potatoes, I just do a couple uh, little microplane zest of lemon. And it's just that little bit of lemon that takes something super, super heavy and makes it light. And so mm. don't forget the acid. I think people forget that all the time. Also, if you're cooking from scratch, don't be afraid to use salt. People have this thing with sodium and salt. I've got to watch my salt. i got to, you know, the doctor, he says I've got to cut back on the sodium. Um, it's mm. really not an issue if you're cooking everything from scratch. You want to cook food so that it tastes good. Don't be afraid to season it. What we do as chefs is we add a little bit of salt every time we add an ingredient. So tonight um, for dinner for Sarah and I, I'm making a like a coconut roasted chicken with purple top turnips, baby bok choy, roasted maitakes, and shallots. Hey, and I want to come every- over. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's
0: office late. Not gonna happen. But thanks for torturing me. <laughs>
1: Um, but, but every time I add an ingredient So I'll start with the shallots And I'll put a pinch of salt into the pan And then I'll add the mushrooms And I'll add a pinch of salt into the pan And what that's doing is It's just a tiny bit of salt But just like adding salt to a sidewalk That's frozen over It pulls moisture out of Whatever you add the salt to So it pulls the water out of the shallots It pulls the water out of the mushrooms And will pull the water out of the turnip, and bok choy And then you end up cooking the food in its own juices And you create, that's how you create umami. And then you add the right amount of fat and the right amount of salt and the right amount of acid, and you just kind of wrap your mouth in a hug. And it's delicious. Mm -hmm. And that's what you should try to do every time um, that you make food is experiment, layer flavors with different techniques, reduction, caramelization, and, uh, you know, work with what's nearby. I just, I ran to the store, I grabbed some bok choy and some turnips and some shallots. I got, you know, an organic chicken, and I was out the door. I was in and out of Whole Foods in 12 minutes. Boom. I've never um, been
0: in and out of Whole Foods in 12 minutes. It's usually like two and a half hours.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, you got to go in there with a plan, man. Yeah, just. Which, and I went well, I, should say, I went in there with absolutely no plan other than to get stuff for dinner. And so right. I, I, had, you know, I threw mushrooms and bok choy in, and I was like, oh, I need a root vegetable. What's going to go with bok choy and mushrooms? Turnips. Turnips go great with that. That's what they serve you at the Chinese restaurant every time they get black choy mushrooms. Works for me. <laughs> I, have
0: a, I have a couple of questions, actually, from Kyle. He just texted me a couple of questions. He's in Atlanta right now. <laughs> number one, ATL. what are the most common mistakes? ATO, what are the most common mistakes <laughs> beginner cooks make? And then number two, how do you grow such a sexy beard?
1: <laughs> I'll answer the second question first, Pat. Um, the, all the protein that I eat All the healthy grass-fed protein <laughs> Contributes to extra strong Keratin development The scientific oh. facts It's science uh, Yeah, Ron Burgundy told me On the news mm-hmm. um, And then <laughs> the, 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 the mistake that Every first cook makes Whether you're a cook in a kitchen Or a cook, or a cook at home Is you don't take the food far enough You're worried too much about burning it. You're worried too much about not following the recipe right. And you don't take food to as pretty as it can be. You don't, you, you know, you take the chicken off the pan when it's starting to turn brown, not when it's deep, golden, rich brown color because you're afraid of burning it. You've got to make some mistakes. The mistake that every cook makes is being afraid of making mistakes. Mm. I, you know, I used to cook, 10,000 eggs a week at a breakfast place when I ran it. That's Mm -hmm. how I'm really good at making omelets. I didn't come out as, you know, Pete and Hazel's first son, and they were like, this guy's an egg guy. You can just tell. I cooked a lot of Mm -hmm. eggs. That's how I got good at it. Um, (laughs) Don't be mad at yourself because you, you don't do something right the first time, you know. Tiger Woods still hits millions of golf balls every year. That's why he's Tiger Woods, not because he, you know, has this incredible talent. He pairs incredible talent with incredible amounts of work. And don't be afraid of making mistakes. You know, take that tuna, you know, and burn one side of it one time, and you'll get a perfect sear on your tuna every time because you'll know, hey, it's about to burn, but it's not burned. It's actually perfect. And the you know majority of cooks they they will just take the stuff off the heat before it gets any real sexy, you know golden brown delicious as we say.
0: Sexy golden brown delicious. All right.
1: <laughs> and the um, IKEA for- and the knives, like the uh, you know the if you're if you don't have a good hardy cutting board and if you don't have a good solid knife, like it's going to be difficult to cook. It's just it's just that's like the two things you need.
0: I'm amazed that I haven't just sliced my finger off by the the knives that I use. I'm really it's a
1: miracle <laughs> the sharp the sharper your knife, the less you cut yourself it, it, it i doesn't, know doesn't sound like it makes sense but it, yeah raw- raw or uh, dull knives give very very ugly very hard to stitch together cuts uh, yeah. i've seen it
0: cool i'm gonna I'm gonna have to get the name of that knife from you. I'll have to have you text it to me because i I tried to Google it, and I couldn't find it. Um, Uh, Cool. (laughs) And, uh, oh, and I almost forgot to mention, we're giving away a gift basket uh, from Sarah's real skin products. By the way, I've announced this on the show before. It is literally the only natural deodorant I've ever used that works. Like, honestly, I've tried tried the Crystal. I've tried, you know, uh, Jason's. I've tried uh, Tom's. I've tried all of them, and none of them work besides your wife's deodorant so I thank you so much for that you've changed my life um, <laughs> and of course she has other really good stuff too like there's the body balm which is like this really crazy amazing honey smell and flavor uh, there's, a, there's the body scrub which is like a white tea scent there's a the perfume it's a bunch of different scents we're going to give a whole gift basket away to the next caller I posted it also on Facebook we'll see who calls in um, we only have a few minutes okay. left of the show so we may see if people call in before we run out of time um okay. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think um I you know, just on Sarah's her skincare stuff, it's it's really amazing, you know, talking about her being super talented without really intending to be, um, she just it kind of occurred to her, you know, we're doing all this stuff for our health and I'm still using all these chemicals in my skin care, and my hair care. Um, you know, it just didn't it didn't compute and I mean, I was really skeptical when she was making the deodorant. I'm like, oh, gosh, because I'm, I'm the husband. I'm going to have to try it. Like, is this going to give me a rash? Like, what's going to happen? And mm-hmm. it works so good. And the body bomb. I know, guys, you know, we're not big on moisturizers, but if you have calluses, whether from being a chef or from being a CrossFitter or whatever you have calluses from, if you <laughs> when you rub the oil into your hands, the body bomb, it's gone the next day. You feel mm-hmm. like you got like an, you got like an accountant's hands. They're so smooth.
0: <laughs> That's funny. You should put that in your marketing. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think probably just offends a lot of accountants, but
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> right. They're like, I'm 12. Ooh, we have a caller. They want some, some skin products. Uh, we have a caller from the 626. You're on Dr. Low Radio. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, Dr. Lowe. It's Jennifer Champion. Hi, Jennifer. How are you?
2: I'm well. How are you?
0: Doing really, really good. Now, were you listening to the show or did you call in for the gift basket? Keep it real. I called in for the gift basket. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. We have to answer a question. Let's see. What's, uh, do you want to ask her Like a, a trivia question, Peter, or should I ask her something?
1: I, go ahead. You shoot.
0: Okay, this will be easy because you know stuff. So what's one, <laughs> what, <laughs> what's a fruit or vegetable that's in season right now? Apples. Is that true, Peter?
1: <laughs> oh my God. Uh, where we live, yeah. Apples are typically fall crops, <laughs> but we'll you guarantee it. We live in San Diego. <laughs> Yay! Yay!
0: Good job. Cool. Um, I don't have your address, so send me over your address, and we'll um, we'll shoot you over some uh, some good skin love. And That's over at okay. realskinproducts.com. dot com. Yeah, you can check out our website. You'll see all the different products. Um, some really good stuff. So, congrats. Well, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. We'll talk to you later. Thanks. Okay. Okay. So, uh, Peter, we kind of flew through this, this hour. It's nuts. It goes by so fast. Did you have any, um, any other like words of wisdom, any parting words before we let you go and enjoy your delicious cuisine tonight with your hot pregnant wife?
1: (laughs) She's so pretty. (laughs) She's Um, so pretty. I'm really lucky. (laughs) Um, no, you know, I think, uh, I think that's it. You know, check out, definitely check out Paleo by Season when it comes out. Um, in May, um, if you want to learn more about, you know, cooking paleo and and seasonally. Um, but I'm glad Kyle, uh, texted and asked that question because I I can't stress enough. Like, uh, if you're not good at cooking, it's because you haven't been trying to be good at it and practicing Mm -hmm. and you should, you should, you should start, you know, everyone starts doing uh, their workout and eating paleo on the same day that's tomorrow. So let's not do that anymore and start today. Yeah. Amen to
0: that. Awesome. Well, thanks for gracing us with your presence, and uh, looking forward to seeing you real soon. Tell Sarah I said hello. All
1: right, Lauren. You take care. Cool. All
0: right, you too. Thanks, you guys. That's the show. That was fun. I like just hanging out with friends on the air. Thanks, you guys, for uh, for listening in. Definitely check out um, Pete'sPaleo.com. I love his food. Honestly, it is the, the answer if you're a busy person and you want to eat healthy and you don't have the time to cook, which technically we all have the time if we make it a priority, but Let's be honest, we all get busy, stuff happens, so it's, it's literally the answer if you're busy and you want to eat healthy. So Pete's can be anywhere in the country, get the food shipped to you. I love it. Um, and then uh, check out their book, Paleo by Season, and, of course, RealSkinProducts.com. Have a wonderful rest of your week, you guys, and we'll check you next week. Bye.
2: North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold, up to a $1 million to Boys and Girls Club. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy Socks. Valid 1123. In-stores only. Limit 10.